Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. We are back with the Women's Football Podcast and I am joined once again by our very own Alejandro Diago. How are things? Hello Angelina, how are you doing? Everything here? Everything well? Yes, all good for me as well. And we are joined again by Give Me Sport Women's Nancy Gillen. How are things in London? Yeah, good. Really sunny here, which is nice. It's finally summer has come. We've all got good weather. I'm so happy to hear it. Um, and there's been some good football results. Um, I mean, we'll get straight into it, of course. I mean, one of the biggest games from the weekend was, of course, Leon against PSG. Now, on the podcast last week, we had high expectations. We were predicting goals galore. And I actually said, unless it's going to end in a draw like Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich, which is exactly what happened. It ended in a nil-nil draw. Nancy, for those who didn't see the game, was this just two very good sides in a tense battle for 90 minutes or two teams that just simply couldn't finish the job? I think it, it was probably more of a tense battle because I think um, both teams just knew that they couldn't concede a goal. Um, and definitely for PSG as well, because they probably would have been quite reluctant to really like go for it attacking-wise and, and leave themselves exposed because for them, they knew that if they got a draw, that would be enough to keep them top of the table and um, give them the advantage going into the last uh, weekend of the season. So I think they were probably very happy to just kind of sit back and defend. Um, and they did have a few chances that, you know, that said there were quite a few chances that were missed, uh, which was probably down to nerves. But I think, you know, both teams knew what was at stake and that definitely showed in the game. Yeah, I agree. You definitely got a sense of that. I mean, PSG stay at the top of the table ahead of the final day of the season in a couple of days. Um PSG just need to win. Um, you know, they're against eighth place Dijon. Alejandro, surely they are not going to drop the ball on this one, right? I hope not, because really, if you if if after defeating, uh, after 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 having a good result against, against Lyon, then you lost against the eighth place team. Mm, that's a problem, and yeah. maybe you don't deserve the league. So <laughs> I hope PSG can can continue on, on a good way and, and leave the trophy after after a season that it has been complicated for them. Definitely. And I really do hope they do it. I mean, Leon fans will, of course, be keeping their fingers crossed that PSG do drop points and, of course, that they win. But, I mean, realistically, um, taking you know away the fact that, obviously, Leon fans are going to be wounded, Nancy, would you agree that PSG have probably been the better side looking at the season as a whole and that they actually deserve this league title I mean you know they've scored the most goals they've conceded the least what do you reckon yeah I think I think they've definitely been the better side I mean when you look at kind of the whole team um, and I think everyone knows how good Enla is and has been for ages you know I think she's already established herself as one of the best keepers in the world but then when you look at uh, the attackers this season as well, people like Katoto and uh, Sandy Baltimore, um, Bayani as well. It's just, you know, they've just merged so well and been such a, a threat up front um, that I think, you know, the team has just really meshed well and it's it's 
they've been really great to watch. Um, I think the French national team are going to be absolutely buzzing with some of the attackers coming through because they've been so good this season that it just, you know, adds a whole new dimension to the French national team. It really does. I mean, that's a very, very good point. They must be rubbing their hands together with glee. Um, You know, talking about Leon, this is, you know, their least successful season in over a decade. Um, You know, we've spoke on the podcast last week um, about Ada Hegerberg and her absence. Alejandro, where do they go from here, from this season where, you know, they're not walking away with, with too much? This season remarks the beginning of our rebuilding, mm. something that is normal after all the successful teams they need to rebuild because there you reach a point where you can you cannot continue winning with the same team because the others they know how to play you, they know what are, what are your weaknesses and and they and they explode explode them. So that is what happened to Lyon this season that all the teams knew what were what which ones were they their weaknesses. And they explode them. So I think from here we are going to see a rebuilding, and I think the summer is going to be very funny in terms of transfers. Yes, I think it's going to be a very exciting one, and I'm interested to see what moves Leon may or may not make. Um, you know, speaking of of transfers, there were reports that Arsenal's Vivian Miedema was linked with the club, possibly in a swap deal with Nikita Paris. Now, I think uh, Miedema's agent has allegedly kind of squashed this. However, Nancy, do you think that, and we spoke about this last week on the podcast as well, but just to get your thoughts on it as well, do you think that they need another striking force or once Hegberg comes back, things will be kind of back to normal? Uh, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I really hope if they do get someone, <laughs> it's not Miedema because... Uh, for me, a swap deal with Paris wouldn't. It, she just wouldn't be as good as Miedema, in my yeah. opinion. But I think, I think for that reason, um, about Nikita Paris not being quite on that level of like a world class striker, I think they will try and get someone else in. Um, aside from Hegerberg as well. Um, I mean, if you look at so Paris, has been good for Lee on the season, but um, she is their top scorer, but with eleven goals, and then. When you compare that with uh, Katoso and Kadita Shaw, they've both scored 21, so they're mm. the top scorers in the league. Like that is quite a big gulf, and and you say maybe that is where uh, Leon have struggled this season. They haven't had that like talisman striker um, who can just you know get 21 goals essentially. Um, and for me, yeah, Paris isn't quite on that level, and I think they they'll be trying to get someone in, whether it's Miedema or someone on that level. Um, I think they'll definitely be. In the transfer window, I I tend to agree. Um, I think, I think yeah, like I said, it's going to be very very interesting. And you know what? I guess as a as a neutral, it's been great to see um how the league has panned out. And I think it's going to be great to see um you know PSG lift that trophy if they do. I guess you know who knows what could happen. Um, heading over to Spain now. And we've got to talk about this because obviously Barcelona have already won the league. They completed the treble as they beat Levante four goals to two in the Copa de la Reina final. However, since then, as close as last night, they have suffered the first defeat of the season in the league to none other than Atletico Madrid. When I saw this scoreline, I was very confused and I had to take a moment. So on Tuesday, they lost 4-3 in 
a very thrilling game against their Madrid rivals, uh, well, one of their Madrid rivals, of course. Um, Barcelona's final goal came in the 74th minute to make it 3-3. And then it was Denia Castellanos who made it 4 um two not four two I'm talking rubbish basically Daniel Castellano got the goal for Atletico in the 80th minute um how devastated Alejandro will Barcelona be that they have not had the perfect season I will answer you with a with a with a with a word they say in Barcelona in Barcelona when after they win and they are saying that they are nervous they are Three tranquilas. <laughs> after, after really no. After after winning the treble, uh, I think this this could be considered just as as a only spot after a perfect season. Uh, they they have they have got the, the 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 goals on a, on the best way they could. They have won the league, showing they are the best team ever. They 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 didn't have any, anything that could compete against them against them. Only this defeat that it came after. After winning three titles, and with some, with example, some of the players that they were out for holidays, so mm. that's that's a normal thing. With the goals achieved, they 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 deserve to rest. Also, uh, they are not going to be devastated because the main goal it was to win the Champions League, and they got it. So yeah, that is that was the main goal for Barcelona uh, this season, and they got it. So that is. But another thing that they will it will take it will take it will make no, them not, not take take this defeat not too seriously. And now you you hear to the players now uh, when they were asking them about all the three titles they reached this year, the the reason was the the answer was uh, what's for the next season? Repeat this in. Wow. Okay. Well, you know another, what? I an- rate an- that. An- another three pit. <laughs> Wow. I mean, you know what? I love the confidence. Um, and I guess we will have to wait and see. Um, I mean, Nancy, what do you think it is about Atletico Madrid? I mean, Barcelona lost to them um, in the the only piece of silverware that they've not won, which Atletico obviously then went on to win. What do you think it is about them? Yeah, I suppose I suppose Atletico are kind of their biggest rivals. And, and like not too long ago, Atletico Madrid were the the most successful, like at the time, the most successful team. So there's only recently been that power shift of Barcelona now, you know, um, dominating. So, you know, maybe they've they've just got memories of that or maybe Atletico have a slightly more belief than the rest of the teams that they can beat Barca because only kind of two, three years ago they were beating them. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's a bit of that and kind of, you know, they just, they, they think that they can do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, fair play to them because as... As we as we've seen, Barcelona are very are very very hard to beat. That they are. Um, I mean, talking about Atletico Madrid, Alejandro, how big of a confidence boost will this be for them to get such a big win after arguably a a bad spell in the league? It can be an important confidence boost, but from my point of view, it arrives five months late. Yeah. Uh, we are talking that about Atletico Madrid has, has done a season where they didn't get the goals, where the, their performances, they were so poor, uh, saving this uh, Super Cup uh, title. And the main goal for Atletico Madrid, that it was to, to be again on Champions League, they didn't get it. Mm. So I, I, I would say that the season of Atletico Madrid this year has been a failure. Yeah. Even 
they have a, they have a team like like the ones they have. They have a very good team with top players in all the positions, and I think they they are they are they are they are uh, prepared enough to fight for even more than uh, saving the fourth spot in the in the in the league table. Mm. And, and, you know, kind of touching on that, you know, they're, they're back up to fifth now. You know, they've got three games to go, one of them being a big fixture with Levante. Um, if Atletico do finish in the top four, Nancy, do you feel like, you know what, at least they've got into, they're obviously, that you know, they've got into the top four considering where they were a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. You know, they were down like seventh, eighth. Or do you kind of share that same sentiment of at the end of the day, this is Atletico Madrid. It doesn't mean anything. You could have come fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. You've not got Champions League football and it's just not good enough. Yeah, I think I share that that view. Um, I just don't, you know, kind of how dominant they were and, and the leagues they've won. I think to go from that to just even... It, obviously, top four is still good, but they would have wanted to either be fighting for the title or finishing second. And I think anything other than that is essentially yeah a failed season um I do think top four means that it hasn't been completely disastrous and it it gives them you know a bit of space to rebuild other than being in you know in complete crisis but um I don't think they will look back on the season with fond memories definitely um I mean Alejandro you touched on it about maybe certain players not playing etc but um what do you think went wrong for Barcelona? And I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that they were, this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, this question, but do you think that they were perhaps lucky against Levante in the cup final that Levante were not on target? Because they actually played kind of more of an uncharacteristically wide-open defence. And they did allow Levante quite a few chances. What did you make of that? I think that uh, the, uh, that Barca wasn't lucky. They won. They won uh, est- strongly. They were better than Levante. Yeah. It's true that there was a part of the game, uh, maybe at the beginning of the second half, when Levante changed their minds and we sh- they showed that why Levante has been a wonderful team this year, competitive mm-hmm. team, having players like Esther Guerrero and Estefania Vanini, for example, that they were the two goal scorers for Levante. But I don't think Barca was lucky on the, on the final. Mm. Uh, they they that that is a uh, they did they did the job they were doing during all the seasons. So it's something that now uh, now they they were preparing to get the business to get the title. They got it, and now that that is they, that why they can celebrate. But. I don't think Barca had any special luck, and mm. uh, and of course Levante had had their chances in the second half when they put three two, but suddenly Barca came and they said, "That's why we are the best team in Europe nowadays." Yeah, definitely. I I totally get where you're coming from with that one. I mean, a part of me, you know what? It's great to see Barcelona getting that treble, but I don't know. A part of me was rooting for Levante, if I'm being honest. Um, of course. Um, really, it it hurts me a lot, but <laughs> this time I cannot I cannot say uh, Barca won because external factors. No, 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 no. They Barca were just won the because best. They, they were the best all the season. You cannot fight them during all the all the season, and that happens. Hope next year the the, the film can be a bit a bit more different. Mm. 
yeah, definitely. I, w- I really hope that we see um, we see other teams, you know, at least attempting to kind of make that step up to be a little bit more competitive with them. I mean, Nancy, do you think that they will come unstuck again? Because, you know, like Alejandro's touched on, they've ticked all the boxes. They've won what they need to win. It's all good. Do you think they could come unstuck and lose? Or do you think they'll still be a little bit like, no, we've allowed ourselves one error, not happening again? Yeah, I, I don't think they're they're kind of. I don't think it will happen again. I think it was a, a blip, more than anything kind mm. of serious to worry about. Um, and you know maybe there has been that slight mentality switch where they've achieved all their goals, so they can relax a bit. But then I think even when they're relaxing, they're still good enough to be winning games. So yeah. I, I think it, you know it's just gonna be a situation where it's a bit of a blip. And I I would be really surprised. I think if they if they do lose again. Me too, definitely. Um, I mean, leaving Spain now and heading over to Italy, um, it was a very exciting weekend. Um, Obviously, Juventus were already eliminated from the Coppa Italia, so it meant that there was going to be a new name on the trophy. It was between Roma and AC Milan, with Roma eventually, after five million years, (laughs) getting the win. Alejandro, how big is winning this competition for Roma? Uh... How how big is winning this competition for Roma shows it the way how fans celebrate this on on social media. Yeah, they were they were rooting, cheering for winning a title, and they feel it and they need it because it was it's been many years since since their male counterpart they don't win anything, and all the Roma fans, all the all the tifosi romanisti, they celebrate like if if they want an important title. Mm. It was the 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 draft of titles was over, and thanks to this Roma women team. Yeah, I mean it was an absolutely phenomenal game. It was very very entertaining, I must say. And also and also the image of all the teams singing this their Roma anthem on the on the locker room. It was so emotional. Yeah, I can imagine it. It's it was it's a special special moment for them. Um, I mean, Nancy, was there a standout performer for you from Roma or AC? I think um, the Roma keeper, Camellia, she was, I think, just made crucial saves during the match itself. And then obviously it went to a penalty shootout and, you know, she, I think, was was crucial in that and in helping Roma win. So I think it's quite rare normally that a keeper gets that kind of player of the match recognition. But I think without her, it probably would have been a completely different story. A hundred percent. I mean, the game was so end to end, just like from the beginning, like I think it was within like 30 seconds, um, Natasha Dowie had a chance for Milan. Roma responded really well and we really saw them grow into the game. Roma had 63% of the possession. However, Alejandro, could you argue that Milan maybe had the better opportunities? I mean, Valentina Giacinti, she came close quite a few times had it not been for that pesky offside flag. I think we watched a final at very Itali- Italian on a, on a football way. I mean, for example, it was a final where we see Milan trying to play counter-attacks and trying to, to surprise their Roma defence, but also both defences, they were so strong mm. and they were so so tough to to uh, to overcome through them. So I think, uh, I think of course, Milan had probably the, the best opportunities, but... And maybe the defense they work it on a on, on a proper way and it and, and a typical way of a, of playing a final. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the match of course went to extra time and penalties. 
as a Manchester United fan, I don't really want to talk about penalties at the moment. Um, it's only been a week. I'm not healed. I'm very hurt. Um, could cry, but I won't. Um, penalties are vile. and But as a neutral, they are fantastic. Um, Roma won 3-1. Thank God for them. It didn't go on as long as Manchester United's penalty shootout in the Men's Europa League final because it's just too much. And like you touched on, Nancy, their goalkeeper, um, Camilia Cesar, she was, you know, brilliant. Um, for me, one of the standout penalties was perhaps Manuela, apologies if I say her name wrong, um, Guigliano's penalty for Roma. Um, I thought hers was great. There were a few misses as well, a few saves, some maybe not the best penalties. I am looking at Veronica Bocchetti here. Maybe it was just she was first up, it was a bit much, I'm not too sure. But Nancy, were you surprised that Valentina Giacinti didn't take one? I mean, perhaps she was further down the pecking order, but I thought she would have been one of the first ones. Yeah, I don't know if it was maybe some tactical situation like maybe they'd watch yeah. that man you shoot out and thought oh you know we need to maybe <laughs> save some good penalty takers for later down the line because uh, that may you know maybe they were waiting for the fifth penalty and have her as the winning one or you know mm. maybe they thought it would get that far but yeah in my opinion you've just I think got to put the best you know your best penalty strikers out straight away because you never know what's going to happen um so I don't know if that was the thinking behind it, but yeah, I was I was quite surprised she didn't. And that is maybe the only reason that I can think of. Yeah, same. Um, but I mean, maybe they'll be thinking next time we have a penalty shootout, she's going to be first in line. Um, but like I say, you can't take anything for, away from the fact that Roma, you know, were fantastic, absolutely buzzing for them. And hopefully this is not the last of the trophies um, to come their way. Now, over in Germany, there was even more trophy shenanigans. Um, Wolfsburg, of course, took on Eintracht Frankfurt for the DFB Pokal final. Now, both clubs had a combined 16 titles between them. um, And it was Wolfsburg who got the win. Again, extra time with an extra time goal, which Manchester United is how a game should be ended with an extra time goal, not dragging it out till penalties, I'm just saying. Now, of course, Wolfsburg were without their captain, Alexandra Pop, meaning that Eva Pajor, again, apologies for the names, but um, Fridolina Rolfo, they kind of led Wolfsburg's attack and they did have some good chances. Alejandro, what did you think of their performances? I think maybe uh, talking about Eva Pajor, I think she has she has given one step ahead when Alexandra Pop wasn't on the team. Mm. For me, she was the the woman the woman of the, of the of the game. She was the leader of Wolfsburg, even when they have this uh, red card against them when they were standing with ten players. Eva Pajor, he he took the team on his back and 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 she lead she led them to the victory. I I definitely agree. She she was brilliant, um, and especially when you've got a player like Pop out. Having a player like her also there is is massive. Um, around the half hour mark, I think it was Frankfurt, of course, suffered a huge loss as their captain Tanya Powellek was substituted off through injury. Um, despite this, you know Frankfurt's goalkeeper and the defense they did stand really strong. Props to them. The game was so tight; it seemed like nothing was going to break this deadlock until, of course, Wolfsburg's late goal. 
Um, Nancy, does a part of you as a neutral wish it had gone to penalties or were you glad to see that that goal finally arrive? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of penalty shootouts if, if a team I support is not involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I would, it would have been nice to have seen penalties. Um, and I also do think that uh, extra time goal was just really harsh on Frankfurt. Yeah. Um, so it would have maybe been a, you know, maybe if they lost on penalties, it's still quite harsh but you know they would have had like a 50-50 chance of winning it as opposed to quite savagely losing it in the, in the dying minutes um, and then yeah as entertainment value for a neutral I personally would have liked to see it go to a shootout as well. Yes hopefully um, in the in the Olympics perhaps we'll see some penalties maybe in the men's Euros as long as it's not England and we'll be fine um, or Spain of course um, Spain cannot deal with another penalty shootout I don't need to remind you of the World Cup do I Alejandro <laughs> no 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 please please don't really and, and let's not talk about men's team because that's another term that I'm, I'm not very happy to, no. enough to talk about it we could be here all night definitely um, I mean going back to Wolfsburg of course Disaster did strike in extra time. Goalkeeper Almuslut was shown a straight red for a late tackle on Lara Prasnica. Um, but you know, despite being down to ten men, they did get the win. Alejandro, what did you make of the red card? I will say that quote from a very famous uh, tires tires advert: "The power without control means nothing." <laughs> No, not really. Uh, we saw uh, Almut Schult. She's probably one of the best goalkeepers uh, German football has. Uh, but in the, in this moment, she, she she was too fast, and the red card was clear. Mm. There was no discussion. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I guess again for the neutrals, it's good because well, it's obviously not good that people are getting red cards, but I guess it's good because it did add you know, that extra bit of drama and it must have maybe made it even more heartbreaking for the Frankfurt fans. But, you know, great for Wolfsburg to get that trophy. As I've mentioned before, we've spoken on the podcast about maybe concerns about things changing a little bit for Wolfsburg, kind of like we've seen with Leon, a bit of a changing of the guard with PSG, um, you know, at the top of the table, same with Bayern Munich. But, um, you know, Wolfsburg have stood strong and I'm chuffed for them that they've got this cup. Nancy, all in all, can they call this a successful season? I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to what we were saying about Atletico Madrid. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, when you look at how they've done previously, and, you know, they've, they've won the league, I think, four times, kind of in previous years, in mm. quick succession. Um, but by their standards, this season probably wasn't great. Um, you know, didn't win the league and they struggled in the Champions League. Um, and it also seems that some of the teams around them are slightly closing the gap as well, uh, judging by the final against Frankfurt. Um, so I think, yeah, all in all, finishing second is never is never bad. And, and silverware as well, I think, you know, that's always like, that's always what you remember. But I think by their standards, they might be slightly disappointed. Mm. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I mean, looking at Frankfurt and, you know, how well they played, it's maybe not been plain sailing in the league, but Alejandro, do you still have high hopes or maybe hoping for high expectations, you know, for them next season? Of course, really. Uh, we need to understand this This was the first season under Eintracht Frankfurt's name, even if they have a historical brand behind it, a huge 
a huge pass, plenty of trophies, but I think that uh, Eintracht Frankfurt is going to be one of the things that is going to be funny to see at least in the Bundesliga, mm. and maybe I hope soon we can see them in Europe. Yes, definitely. I think they would be um, they would be a great addition. Um, yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, that's kind of everything. Looking at what's been going on in Europe, lots of cup wins. It's all been happening. Um, very stressful keeping up with it all, to be honest. Um, and you know, for this week's hot topic, I thought that we would just discuss because it seems like a lot of people are talking about it. Of course, Team GB's Olympic team. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd have a little chat about who's been included, who's maybe not been included. I know we've spoken about the Olympics before, um, but yeah, there are only three non-English players in the 18-strong squad. And I also must say there are no Northern Irish players in Hagerisa's squad. Nancy, were you expecting more non-English players? And are there any names you wish had been included that haven't? I wouldn't say I was expecting more uh, non-English players because I think Risa had made it quite clear that she was going to pick a predominantly English team. Mm. Um, and then also I think, I suppose it makes sense having that kind of core from one team. Um, and then ultimately, I suppose England are the more successful team out of all of them. Um, but then I do think, yeah, there's, there's a few names. I think Jess Fishlock could probably feel quite hard done by I think Erin Cuthbert as well, um, mm. someone that uh, a lot of people were saying was missing. Um, so I think there definitely could have been. I think for Northern Ireland, it's quite tricky. I think uh, maybe Rachel Furness, but I know she's only just recovering from injury. Um, but I do think, obviously, they qualified for the Euros uh, a couple of months ago, and which is an amazing achievement. And, but previously to that, they hadn't been that successful. So I don't know if that's kind of been they're undoing that they've only just kind of really started to make a name for themselves maybe you know if the Olympics were in another year there would be more Northern Irish players in the conversation um so yeah I wouldn't say I was expecting any more players but I do think there are maybe two or three non-English players that could have made the squad and maybe were a bit unlucky not to do so definitely I guess it's you know it is a tough job for Risa to have to pick these players because, you know, there are a lot of talented players from all, all these different nations. And, you know, she has stated that picking the squad was one of her hardest decisions. Alejandro, do you think that it's... Um, do you think that she's been given enough time with these players? Because I kind of feel sorry for her in a way in that Phil Neville's woke up one day and decided he's going to Miami. They've brought her in. She's been told that it's only for an interim period anyway. But go and get to know all of these many many different players work with some of them see what you can do and bring us an olympic squad it, it's a lot for her yeah it's it's uh, it's i think it's it's for all the teams will be the same because especially and especially maybe for an olympics for team great britain is going to be huge but i think we are we are in the middle in, in a season where everything has been so weird everything with mm. no fans with few time to rest with few time to adapt to new new things i think that maybe let's see if, if during this uh, this training camp before the olympics of, in, of tokyo uh, team team gb can uh, can can make a make a good a, a good group and they can perform properly and they can arrive to the olympics with options to do a good a good role 
definitely. Um, and oh God, I've got my fingers crossed. I mean, one player that has been called up is veteran midfielder Jill Scott, one of 11 City players that have been called up. Nancy, what do you make of Scott being included and all of those City players? I think I'll start with the City players. Um, I don't think, I think it's, you know, I don't really mind it. I think it's true that Man City have that concentration of um, English players who are probably among the best English players um, in the league or in the country. Um, And I think, again, you know, when you've got that, like, disjoint, disjoint, there's a disjointment between uh, England and then Team GB. So I think having a core of a team that normally play together anyway, um makes sense because you know we've got like an international window coming up in june uh but you've got like caroline weir playing with scotland and then the rest of the midfield playing with england so it's good at least that they that midfield plays together at um club level um in terms of jill scott for me personally i would not have included her Mm. um i think she is a good player but i don't think she when you look at all the names I don't think she is, you know, among the best there. Um, and I think they've suffered a bit as well with the fact that Risa isn't going to be England manager because I think if you had England manager, the person in, Beegman, who was he's going to be England manager for the Euros next year, she would have had maybe half a mind on the Euros and be mm. thinking about bringing up that young talent and getting uh, younger players international experience. Um, because I don't think... Jill Scott will be playing for England at the Euros next year. And it's, you know, she's a great player and she's done amazing things for club and country. But just for me personally, I think this was the time where it was like, uh, we're not going to take you and we're going to bring younger players through. You know what? I kind of get what you mean there because, you know, um, going back to whichever month it was in, obviously, um, she got that... that, that cap for England and it was you know such a massive massive moment for her and I I don't know a part of me was thinking are we maybe going to kind of step back gracefully after that do you know what I mean and just kind of be like you know what I've achieved some massive massive things it's time for the next kind of generation perhaps so I, I definitely get what you mean and I get what you mean about the Euros because looking at the talent I agree. Um, I would be surprised if she was in the squad uh, for the Euros. And yeah, you'd as much as I, I, I hope anyway, we want to get gold <laughs> at the Olympics. Um, you also, I guess, do kind of see it as a slight dress rehearsal for, you know, figuring out who works and who doesn't work for the Euros. I mean, yeah, of course we have international breaks, but sometimes it feels like we don't always get enough of them. Um, but obviously it can't be helped because there's so many games. So Yeah, I definitely get what you mean um, with that. I mean, one City player who is not in the squad, who is not one of the 11 players, and I definitely agree with you. I think it's great that there are that many players. Just when I saw it, I was like, 11? This is ridiculous. Um, But obviously, Chloe Kelly is not going to be there. She's not my relative. We do just share the last same name, coincidentally. But obviously, if a Kelly's not going to be there, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, Alejandro, do you think that... She will be missed in the squad. I know we've spoken about her before and how how talented she is. Um, Or do you kind of feel okay? Because I guess looking at that squad, they do have so many other great options. Uh, Really, uh, losing a player like like Chloe Kelly is so so hard for a team. She's one of the prospects that is the most promising players of her generation. She's a top striker. She's a wonderful player. But I'm seeing the list now and 
the Great Britain has has in their teams for the for the Olympics five names: Lauren Hemp, Frank Kirby, Nikita Paris, George Stangwy, and Ellen White. Uh, really, having a, an attack like this for for England, it's for 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 Great Britain. Sorry, it's so wonderful and it's mm. something I I'll say that even in this in this case uh, they cannot miss a player like Chloe Kelly. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. I think as much as it looks fantastic when you look at those names, I'm just gutted for her that she's not been included. Um, but obviously, let's hope that she gets over this injury and she is but back. Who do you leave out? Exactly, that's the thing. I guess in some ways, maybe it's a not a blessing in disguise that she got injured, but maybe a blessing in disguise that she's not had to have potentially been rejected from it. It's just that she's injured because, yeah, like you say, I don't think I could pick anybody. Um, I mean, Nancy, could you pick anybody to ditch to bring in Kelly if she woke up tomorrow and she'd made a miraculous recovery? Uh, I think I'd probably, and I think this would have been the case, I think Georgia Stanway would have stayed at home. Yeah. I think that's my opinion. Um, yeah, it is really hard though. And again, there's a question of, I mean, obviously Ellen White is amazing, but maybe if you were going to the games with a different approach of like bringing in young people maybe you'd leave Ellen White at home but if you did that you'd get a lot of criticism so definitely yeah yeah it's it's really hard it is um obviously Alejandro you mentioned Fran Kirby there Nancy do you feel like she is England's most important player and also the most important player in this team GB side would you agree with that or not yeah, I, after the season she's had, like it's just been, you know, she's been incredible. Um, so I think if she's gonna make, if anyone's gonna make a difference, it's gonna be her. Um, although I am intrigued to see how she plays, kind of outside of the Chelsea setup. Mm. And obviously, she formed that amazing partnership with Sam Kerr, which she won't have in Team GB. Um, and you know, she won't have Emma Hayes, who is like a tactical genius. So I'm intrigued. Obviously, she'd still be incredible anyway. But I'm, I'm just. Yeah, curious to see whether that does impact her performance or not. Yeah, you're right. That would be it will be interesting to see if she um if we see her missing that partnership or not. Um now I'm being petty. There were no Manchester United players. Absolute joke. I'm joking of course, but um, you know, some people might argue, you know, Lauren James had a good season, Ella Toon had a good season, um, they were both available. Um Am I a little bit too much in my emotions about this, Alejandro? Were you surprised that maybe one or two players weren't considered? I mean, maybe they were considered, we don't know. Or really, considering the quality of this team, you can completely and utterly understand why some players like that missed out. I'm sorry to disagree with you, Angelina, oh, but no. I think I think that really, do you, you see the team Great Britain has and is the same. Mm. Who I who I should take out really? What a problem for the for the coach. Mm. Even even if if okay, it's Manchester United. Is uh, there's no players? It's so so historical, but it's 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 kind of a, what I was. It's, it's just an opposite feeling that what I feel, for example, with the Spain's men's team and Real Madrid, and and, and that and there I will make some changes. But here, mm, I see the list, and it's, I think this is the is the best list. Uh, Great Britain can present to uh, to Olympics. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm completely in my feelings and being very biased to my club as to why I'm sat here thinking why wasn't Lauren James included. But I have to be honest with myself because as much as I don't want to admit it, yeah, you're, you are right. When you look at that team, there's no room for those players. And maybe this will be, you know, a good incentive for them to continue working hard and up in their game, um, especially, you know, with the Euros. Not that far away, really, when you think how fast a year can fly by. Um, now, goalkeeper Karen Barsley was arguably the biggest surprise inclusion. Um, she's played two games last season on loan in the US. Um, Barsley is one of five players in the squad to feature that featured at London 2012, along with Steph Horton, obviously um, Scott, Kim Little and City striker Ellen White. Nancy, we've kind of touched on it here, but do you think it's important that there are some experienced players like these women that they've been included or would you have maybe had it as like maybe one or two rather than five? One one or two for me, yeah. I think. I think that, that experience definitely is um, important and I think especially for an Olympic Games, which is uh, especially for Team GB as well, who don't really compete in the Olympic Games in football. Mm. Um, so it's a really, really unique experience and it's quite fortunate that there are those players that did play uh, at London that are still about so I think it is worthwhile having kind of their experience and advice there um, but I think that for instance for me one of the biggest omissions is Jordan Nobbs and yeah. I would have had like Jordan Nobbs as a midfielder I think she's just better than Jill Scott so I would have put in Jordan Nobbs over Jill Scott taken mm. out Jill Scott's experience and I'd rather just have you know the standards of, of player that Jordan Nobbs is um, but yeah, I mean, say I think Kim Little fully deserves it. Um, Steph Orton as well, and Ellen White, and then Bardsley. Again, I think you could probably because Roebuck, Ellie Roebuck is going to be the number one keeper. So in in that that situation, I think you could have just put maybe a younger keeper on, and again, given her international experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that is probably my main bugbear with this team. I think there's mm. maybe a bit too many experienced players in there. Yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I mean, you just touched on it there, but of course, Arsenal pair Beth Mead and Jordan Nobbs, Chelsea's Beth England, Man City's Alex Greenwood. They are some of the arguably more high-profile omissions. Um, Alejandro, are you disappointed that one or two of these players didn't make it? Uh, really, I'm disappointed because they are wonderful players and really, I, w I would love them to see, but the problem is that there, there are only 18 spots Mm. And and the level of the list is so huge, and even a, a, a minimum a minimum thing can can make you be in the list or not. Yeah. So I think it's uh, it's of course disappointing disappointing because who doesn't want to see the best players? But on the other hand, it's a normal thing because there are only few spots, and they are taking at the best players uh, Great Britain has in the, at this moment. Yeah, it it's one of those. It's um, I've I've definitely feel for you, Nancy, because especially I think Jordan Dobbs is probably the standout one there. Um, I can maybe understand Beth England didn't have as as much game time this season, obviously because of that insane Chelsea team. Um, but yeah, it is a shame. But like you say, there's only 18 spots. Um, England, of course, face Japan. Chile and Canada in their group. Nancy, are we feeling confident? I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't want to sound 
pessimistic. Um, I think I feel confident that we we will get out the group because you can because there's only it's only twelve teams, isn't there? So so it, because there's only three groups of four, you can finish third and still progress. So because of that, we'll grab onto that really, then. <laughs> yeah, it's a really strong group um, with Canada, who we uh, England lost to uh, last month. In there, Japan obviously a great team. Um, Chile, I think. Britain could beat but you know you shouldn't um you know you've got to, you've got to expect every opponent to be good um so I think you know they progress out the group but because it's such a small tournament every team that is there is like the best and has you know fully deserves to be there um and I think there's you know certain things like the fact that it's not a completely um, integrated team um, you've got the kind of non-English players coming in as well uh, that might be of detriment mm. um, but I mean I yeah I really hope they prove me wrong because I, I obviously want them to do really well and there's it's it is such a such a talented team that if it works and you know if they really get going and get into some form then there is no reason why they can't get a medal so um, yeah I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and either way I'm really looking forward to watching it me too. Um, obviously, Alejandro, Spain are not competing, unfortunately. So, of course, you will be supporting Team GB, I take it. Are you feeling confident as well? <laughs> I think uh, Team GB can can make a good, a, good, a good role in the Olympics and why not maybe fight for a gold medal if the, if the results, they go with them and they, and they have this point of luck you need on a competition like the Olympics. I think Team GB can make a can make a good a good role and we can, and they can be on the podium. Yes, fingers crossed on that podium. And as you've said before, Alejandro, we can celebrate so long as we're on a podium. Doesn't matter if it's second or third, as long as we're on that podium, guys, we're gonna be yeah, good. In, in the Olympics, I ac- I accept celebrate <laughs> that we are on the podium. Yeah, not in not in the league for Real Madrid. I, I no, you can't you can't accept that. second or third in those situations. Only in the Olympics, guys. <laughs> so that is everything for today's One Football Women's Football podcast. As always, a big big thank you to my guests, to Alejandro and to Nancy, and to all of you for listening. As always, if you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com. And don't forget to head to Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, etc. Wherever you listen to all of your podcasts, really, to hear more of the One Football podcast. <laughs>